Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Lipstick Coffee Jesus. I'm Sean. I'm Vanity. And we are here with yet another episode. But first, you know what we do each and every episode. We talk about what we're drinking. Tonight, I'm drinking Isn't She Lovely that has hints of chocolate, but then also notes of blueberry. And it's one of my favorites. Vanity, what are you drinking? I'm drinking royalty blend because it's Valentine's Day and I'm a queen. You know what? That was a great idea. You know what? I'm lovely. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she lovely? See, that works. That works. (laughs) If you want what we're drinking, you can go to www.lipstickcoffeejesus.com and on Instagram, lipstickcoffeejesus19 and on Facebook, lipstickcoffeejesus. So, Vanity, it is Black History Month. What do you have for us? So, today's Black History Fun Fact is actually a shout out to the Washington, D.C. area. If you're from this region, then you're very familiar with mumbo sauce. Everybody has their own recipe. It's been a staple since the 1950s. But today we're highlighting Capital City Company. They're based out of Annapolis. It was started by a woman named Arsha Jones and her late husband, Charles. And she had moved out to the Maryland area, which, as you may or may not know, carryouts are a staple of the D.C. area. And she was craving mumbo sauce when she was pregnant. And because she couldn't get any, she decided to make a recipe of her own with her husband. And that started in 2011. And now they sell hundreds of thousands of bottles of this sauce year round. They have millions in revenue and they actually just inked a new deal with Target. So you should be able to get it in Target store soon. So that's our Black History fun fact. So let me ask, do you like mumbo sauce? I love mumbo sauce, but... On the side? Yes, I do need I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Anybody who knows me, (laughs) I do not like stuff in my fingers and I need to be able to dip appropriately. So yes, I like my mumbo sauce. That was really bougie. the side. I always ask for it. But also, not everybody's carryout has the same mumbo sauce. It's So you have to kind of go to your carryout spot. And then, yes, I do ask for it on the side. It's too messy. For me, it depends. Like, it depends on what mood I'm in. And then also where I get it from. So if I'm going to a new place, then I ask for it on the side. But if it's my regular, then right on top. So what are we doing tonight? Tonight, it's Valentine's Day. So we're going to be talking about love. Seems to be a topic that, yeah, seems to be a topic that despite what day it is, it's always a a hot topic on social media, whether someone's being ratchet or some meme or trying to figure out your love language, something, you can find something in between that fits where you are. So today we have a very special guest, our very own Bishop J. Bernard Moore. He hails from the Philadelphia area, and he is what I like to call young, saved, and fly, and single. But that's not to take away from the fact that he is still a bishop in the Lord's church. Yes, he is. So when people are out there talking about balance, he still manages to be anointed and cool. So, yes, we have Bishop Moore, and he'll be able to tell us a little bit more about himself once he starts talking on the mic. So what angle are we going to go from? What do we want to talk about? Past love, like love history or what love means to us? Our statuses, how do you want to start? We can talk about all of the above. I think uh, since it's Valentine's Day, we can each talk about what the holiday means to us. And we can go from there. Well, first, how about we let Bishop introduce himself to the people? Right, let's do that. 
Good evening, morning, afternoon, everybody, wherever you are, <laughs> whatever time zone you're in. Right, yes. that's it. Yeah. We are time zone. We are in four countries, honey. Yes. yes, we are. Whatever time zone you're in. I am Bishop J. Bernard Moore. Uh, I hail from Philadelphia, but I am currently in uh, the DMV. And I am like to consider myself a man of love, rooted in love, rooted in the things of love. Um, so that's where we are. And I, first of all, would like to congratulate these two beautiful ladies on their venture, multi-business faceted venture that they are undertaking. And I just celebrate and congratulate and honor them for stepping out into the deep waters of success. And they are doing a wonderful, wonderful job. So congratulations, lady. Well, thank, thank you. you. That's precious. Yes, that is, is really precious. See, already on yes. this love topic. Look at that. As I like yes. to say, precious memories. I'll <laughs> <laughs> <Probably> be later. <laughs> so love, let's talk about love. I guess, what are your first experiences with love? Like the first time that you remember love, whether it was someone else that you thought that you liked a whole lot or memories with your parents, siblings, like whomever, what are, what are your first memories of love or being loved? I think for me, I actually was pretty jaded when it came to love. So the fact that I'm sitting here and as we do this discussion, I'm coming from a dating perspective is a whole miracle in itself. <laughs> I'm being dead serious. So sorry. I'm being dead serious. My, my parents. I got, didn't know that you should associate love with miracles. It, it, I'm telling you, it's a whole miracle. It was like the handiwork of God. So <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Because just to be honest, my parents were divorced. And I just, based on what I saw growing up, having to do with love and relationships, because I didn't have a good example around me. Directly, I always felt like marriage was for other people, but not for me. So I can't necessarily say I believed in marriage. I didn't actually really conceptually believe in marriage as a real institution for me until I was 30. So up until then, I really had no desire to get married. You know, those girls who have planned their wedding when they're young and it's a fairy tale dream. Now I was like, how can I get some money and get up out of my house? That was my goals. So. Well. So uh, this this whole this right here is very foreign to me. Being all sentimental and stuff, I turned I said I turned thirty and got some feelings because that's just really what happened. So that's just my perspective. So this is all I'm still trying to navigate my way around Valentine's Day and being in love. Like that's even weird. That's weird for me to even say and talk about that kind of stuff. It's strange because I'm like, oh, who's that all emotional? That Hallmark stuff? No, that was for TV. That's not for me. Uh, so still adjusting, but it's good. Well, okay. Bishop? My first encounter with love, maybe not in a romantic sense, I think growing up in the church, and I am a PK, pastor's kid, so I was, I guess, always surrounded by that kind of love, the affirmation that comes from being in a supporting community. But on a ro more romantic side, call no names and bear no blame. Uh, <laughs> the I tea, was, honey, the yeah, tea. Yeah. Right? You should have drank tea uh, tonight. I was a young pup, if you will. <laughs> I, uh, I was going, let me see, let me see, let me see. My first true encounter with love, like, you know, I had some little puppy love situations. Everyone. Uh, my, my, my first true <laughs> encounter was the ninth grade. 
And I came in as a freshman in high school. And there was this young lady who, like the whole, you know, you hear the horns and you hear the choir singing. When I saw her, the heavens opened. I was like, what was elementary all about? And why am I even like, why did I even do that and not just cut straight to ninth grade? So so, uh, that was like my first experience. And I just remember like I was just gone. Like the first probably like maybe three or four months of high school, I had, I was like checked out. Like I was like, you know, cut through to the end of the day. I was like phasing out in class. Like, <laughs> is this what love is all about? Cause I mean, I was there, I was on a marshmallow cloud and I will say on a, on another note, God saved me because I was so far in the abyss of uh, love and all of that stuff that uh, I think I probably would have taken a detour in life. And I kept going there. Really? But God, sent, God sent her away. I, I, I stick to this story. God sent her away to another state, like just out of the blue in the middle of our relationship. And so uh, that was my first encounter with love and my first encounter with being rescued by God. But I didn't realize that until later on in life. So, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. That was my first encounter. Yeah, I'll just jump right in. I was thinking more along the lines for myself, like as far as family's concerned, yeah, like yeah. my first recognition that you know that we had like real family love yeah i would think was probably back in second grade mm-hmm. like when we lived in california yeah and my parents like it was only four of us which was great times no shade to my two younger sisters <laughs> <laughs> but those are Love y'all. You do matter. You do matter. But no, like it was just the four of us. And so my parents they used to do things like take us to Disneyland because we lived in California. And I just remember like how wonderful that was and yeah. just feeling loved all the time by my parents yeah. when we were little. So that was like my first recognition that I was loved, if you would. And then outside of that, I kind of have like a Bishop Moore story, like eighth or ninth grade. And I remember the person. Yeah, no names. And I used to get in trouble a whole lot when it came to this person. Matter of fact, I hope my mom does not listen to this episode because I don't want her to be triggered. Yeah, you know, I, don't I, mean, I don't want any trauma. First of all, first of all, your sisters, and it's your mom. Right, right. <laughs> what is wrong? <laughs> Wait, we need a psychologist on set. Right. But anyway, so uh, what was I saying? Oh, so eighth and ninth grade, and then I ended up having to move because my uh, my dad ended up getting stationed somewhere else. My mom had to go to school. Okay. So that totally ended, and it, like you said, it ended up being a huge blessing in disguise yeah. because. I would have been completely detoured. And now I understand now that I'm saying this out loud where my son is right now. Yeah. So he's ninth, tenth grade, and I'm seeing I'm seeing the trend. Right, I'm right. over here rolling my eyes <laughs> because just the other day, I'm whenever I see him now, he'll tell me about some little girlfriend or whatever. And I said, you know, you you get that age where you realize you start to turn into your parents. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm kind of like there a little bit because I say stuff to him and to, and you know, your daughter. And I'm just like, ooh, that sounds like a real adult, like a parent would say. Yeah. And I said, mm, when did I turn into one of those? But no, you start to understand. Yeah. yeah. I kind of wish I didn't think about all of this, but yeah. Are you tricking? Movie. Sorry. I, I am just a little. Sorry. 
<laughs> so let's move on. So let's talk about our perspectives. So Bishop, you are single. Vanity, she's single-ish. I don't know. Well, I definitely Quasi subscribe. I, yeah. I subscribe to the single until married fit philosophy, but not in the you can do whatever you want. Because some people use that as a license to just be out here being reckless. Right, I, I, right. I don't believe in that right. um, at all. But am I in a relationship and dating? Absolutely. But to you me, said that real firm. Like, but absolutely. But I also feel like there's no legal obligations that come with dating. Right. And so when you sign on the dotted line, right. that's when we can talk about some other things. So right. as far as if you can't claim, if I can't get no tax benefits <laughs> and no nothing else, then <laughs> no. So that's just, that's my personal philosophy. I, I happen to go back and forth with people on that a lot when I say that, but it's just the way it is. Single, but still dating. And she said all that to say that she's single-ish and then I'm married. So let's talk about Valentine's Day and what that holiday means to everyone. Pressure, 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 pressure. It means pressure? As a single person? No, I, I think you, I think the perspective has changed if you look at the broader scope of it. I think probably when I was coming up, even like when I was in school, you know, it was like a thing. Like you had like people would ask you, well, who's your Valentine? So it's like kind of like, why do I have to have one? Until I got to ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> it's clear, huh? it's real clear. I, everything crystallized in ninth grade. <laughs> everything just Nobody. became crystal. Oh right, 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 right. So yeah, so. So, um, uh, yeah, it was it was just kind of like, well, dang, you got it. You, you want to be a part of this day. And I think for me, like growing up, like you had to have somebody to make that day what it was. And now I realize I'm older. You don't you know, necessarily have to have somebody to make that day special. I never really paid Valentine's Day too much mind when I was in school I was just greedy so I knew Valentine's Day equaled treats yes and I would just I wouldn't even care about the stupid little the little fold over cards forget those right right right, I just wanted to know what kind of candy I was getting at absolutely because I was just I was just greedy and like I said I was always (laughs) I was very much I had tunnel vision in school my goal was get these grades and get up out of here. I didn't care about no boys. I wasn't making no googly eyes. It wasn't like the heavens didn't open up. It was like, what do I need to do to get my ticket up out of here? Valentine's Day equaled candy and treats. And that's all I cared about. And then as I got older, seeing as I spent the majority of my life single, um, it just never really registered with me that much. I think as I got older and when I finally got to the place where I really wanted a relationship, so 30, uh, then it became, I'm single. And then it turned into, forget that, I'm going out with my girlfriends. And I actually did that one year, I had like Galentine's. It was great. Mm-hmm. And then I think the first, first year I was dating, I was super pressed about Valentine's Day simply because I had never had one, like as far as a like romantic yeah. relationship. But then after that, the novelty wore off. And so I'm not just like, all right, well, let me just wait till the day after so I can get my 50% off candy at Target. <laughs> and that's just about it. What if we hack the holiday? I think we should. What if we hack the holiday? What does that look like? That looks like uh, what Elder Vanity just said. Let's wait till after and be a, a financially responsible couple and celebrate the day after. 
when all of the candy goes on sale, when the flowers are not as uh, expensive. There you go. There you go. Now, if you're, in the, if you're in the flower business, make your money. Make your money. I'm all and about. Make it on the next day. I'm all about <laughs> enterprising <laughs> and, and capitalism. I'm all about that. So yeah. make your money. But I think that after that time, I did it. And we like went out and got my flowers and all that. Mm-hmm. It was cute. I took all my little pictures, did my makeup. After that, I was just like, all right, it's Valentine's Day. That's cool. But yeah. I mean, a day don't represent exactly. the love, especially exactly. if it's not there day by day. So it's just I'm more con- I'm more concerned about the consistency, not a holiday. Miss Married Lady. Yeah. So this is a little awkward. <laughs> Not awkward in that sense. It's awkward because so what everyone can't see is I have like my nails and like little Valentine colors. And I thought I would do something different this year. But to be honest, I don't remember Valentine's Day. The last one I remember was 10 years ago. And that was the day that I got married. I don't remember any Valentine's Day between that day and now. So Valentine's Day, back up. Valentine's Day is an anniversary for you? It is an anniversary for me. So I was married on Valentine's Day mm-hmm. on a Sunday okay. in church. Beautiful. And I don't know why they're acting like they weren't there because they were there. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just, just, I've been there. talking a lot. So I'm trying to be quiet and let other yeah, people well, have a turn. So yes, I was married on Valentine's Day 10 years ago. And that's literally the last Valentine's Day I remember. I do not remember anything from there to now. Now, first I have a bad memory and I'm not good with dates or any of that type of stuff. So it doesn't mean as much to me as probably other women. As far as being married, I'm looking forward to being at home chilling. So you have more of a different dynamic because not only is it a romantic holiday, but it's also your anniversary. So that's kind of like a double bubble that you, I guess, have to navigate not not really i think that's a different story for a different time but um (laughs) (laughs) i i would say i'm a little so even though i'm married i'm a little jaded by love i think because of a lot of past experiences i'm still trying to navigate like love waters and really feel or kind of feel what it is or Mm -hmm. what have you i mean of course we know what the love of god is and how that how God loves us and that whole thing. And I love my children, but like love in general, like the whole romantic love thing, I struggle with that. And that's so weird coming from someone who's married, but I do, I struggle with that whole love aspect. And I find myself working more so at love than the average person. At least I think the average person, Uh, because you don't want to cheat your spouse. As far as not offering them the love that they deserve. Mm -hmm. But then with that, again, I'm still kind of navigating these weird waters. So when Valentine's Day comes, like I'm not looking for anything, if you would. The thing that I love to do is get my fuzzy socks and my sweats Mm -hmm. and sit down and have a ginger ale and Mm -hmm. probably some popcorn or something like that. Like that is my day. I don't want to go out because I don't like crowds. Yeah. So that whole everyone out and having candlelit dinners, I don't, that's just not me. So I have a different take on Valentine's Day than the average person. I think that there are a lot of people who succumb to, again, as I say, the pressure of that day. And they just go through the motions of that day because that's what society tells you that you should do. 
And that's what's expected. And sometimes society and the culture forms our expectations. And how many people would just be happy in fuzzy socks drinking ginger ale at home on Valentine's Day? But because you're under pressure, then you feel like you have to get flowers. You have to go out to dinner. You have to do a movie. But I think, you know, you introduce something new that you define that aspect of what will make you happy between you and your spouse or you and your mate or you and yourself and Jesus um, and your coffee. Um, (laughs) You you will define that. Right, right. Shameless plug. But you will find out what that means for you. And once you take the pressure out of that day, I think, you know, we'll all be a little bit more happier. Yeah, I totally agree. But I'm like that for most holidays. So New Year's, um, if I didn't come to church like we normally do for um, our New Year's Eve service, normally I would likely be sitting at home um, sleep, actually, because New Year's is at midnight. So I would be asleep. Um, when it comes to Mother's Day, like I don't necessarily like to go out to restaurants. I would much rather my father cook and my uh, family come over and we do something like at home. So I'm a huge homebody. I don't yeah. like going out. I really like being either on my couch with a blanket, with a book or something like that. So mm-hmm. it works out for my husband because yeah. I'm not saying that I'm cheap, but if I'm not going out all the time, definitely saves him 15% or more by switching to, you know, the home base. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really, I'm okay with that. Like yeah. I'm really okay with not going out and doing what I need to do at home, which is TV and a book and mm-hmm. quiet children. Like yeah. they're quiet. That's great. So let me ask you a question, Bishop Moore, because you're from a single perspective and you're very much very active in the church and, you know, working for the Lord. Do you feel that now coming into this phase of your life, do you feel the pressures to quote unquote find somebody or things like that? Or do you have those pressures? Because I know for me, now that I've gotten older, my mom has started the whole, when you going to get like that grandkids conversation. And it was, it's weird because I never grew up talking about relationships with my mom, but now she's starting to ask those questions yeah. about where her grandkids are at. And I say, look at your two your married <laughs> children. Right. Um, or do you have grandkids money? Right. You know, like they used to say, well, <laughs> you know, like right. when they used, I'm like, who's paying for these children, you right. know? So right. it's just, it's just weird how that dynamic shifts as I've gotten older, my mom starts to like make those kind of comments. Do you feel that Valentine's day is kind of like a reminder of that? Or as you've gotten older, do you feel like that pressure? Like, well, I need to quote unquote settle down. Cause I don't even know. I don't like that term, but you know what I'm trying to say? Sure. 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 I think for me, that was early on in life and it's, it's kind of backwards. Um, but for me, that pressure was really early on in life. Um, and the church that I came up in, probably a lot to do with it was because I was the pastor's son. There was a lot of just speaking what I would be. You're going to be a great father. You're going to be a great husband. And so that was like in my mind early. And so like coming into college and then even graduating and like I'm still single. And then people are like, all right, 22. You would think that they would encourage 22. After I, after I graduated, I was 21, but I'm saying like, once you get into 22, it's like, you know, you're a nice gentleman. What's, what's going, you know, the family reunions are like, girlfriend, what you, what you looking like? 
around that time, people are like kind of in relationships, they graduate, they're in, in their job. And so for me, without long talking, for me, that was like early on in my life, I felt a lot of pressure. And um, once I graduated from that, it was like one of the greatest freedoms that I experienced. Even now, when people would ask me um, early on in life, I would find myself making excuses as to why someone was not in my life. Like I didn't have a female companion. Or I wasn't like on the road to marriage. I would just like, all right, let me tell them something to get them out of my way. But now it's kind of like, you don't know. When it happens, it will happen. But uh, my response is not filled with a pressure reaction to the question. So to answer your question, I don't feel it externally. I'm starting to feel the trigger inwardly. Like, okay, I don't want to be uh, 50, 55, like with a kid. Halle Berry did it. This is true. And it, well, yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She did. She did. They, they both know that I'm like a Halle Berry aficionado. So yeah, you're right. You're right. And and society has become more accepting of, you know, not putting pressure on people when they get older to have children. I think it's so yeah. So I've learned to graduate from that. Uh, well, I have graduated from that kind of pressure to just, you know, succumb to the whole relationship. And I do want, I, obviously I do want that, but the pressure to do it is not there. I like what you said about not succumbing to pressure. So I know several people who are also kind of single and we're not getting any younger and that's no judgment on them. But the fact that you don't feel like you have to really go by anyone's timelines is, you know, great. Like, how did you get to that point? I think it was really purpose, because I think when you talk about love, especially from a godly perspective, purpose and the deeper that you get into your purpose and realizing what your purpose is, then you realize your mate is for a purpose. It's not just to gratify you and yourself. It is purposeful. And I am purposefully single and I will be purposefully married. So I think the deeper that you get into your purpose and God's plan for your life, then that becomes not so much of a drive of yours, not so much of a focus. And you really realize that God will bring you what you need. You know, he will bring that to you. So I think it was kind of like a, a aha moment for me that I'm like, you know what? And then also, if I can add this, just the dynamic that I am living in now, you know, you have you don't want to be selfish. You don't want to um, bring somebody into a space that's going to compromise what they want, what you want. And so all things considered, you know, you have to make sure that, oh, I had to realize that I had to make sure that when that time comes, my mate will purposefully fit with me. So it was just like a realization for me. I wish as a single person who was getting married at the time that I would have thought about that because now I do, of course, know that my yeah. husband is like purposefully yeah, yeah. for me. Yeah. But to be honest, that was not on my mind 10 years yeah, ago. Like, that's real. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to say that we lucked out because for us, like the, the hand of God and his will was on our life. Yeah. But for yeah. others who don't think about that, man. Like you, you, you man. have to. You, like you have to. It's wise to. And, I, and I'll, I will I'll double down and say you have to because you'll, you will cause yourself 
to collide with each other. If you are on two different courses and you make a decision in the moment or because the clock is ticking or because, you know, you feel the pressure of your friends and, you know, girl, man, when you get, you know, whatever it is that causes you to make a decision that's not God's will for your life and out of God's timing, you do yourself an injustice. You do your purpose an injustice. You do everything that God brought you here for. You do it in injustice and you delay that. You knock yourself off of God's timing when you don't consider those things for your life and for the life of your mate, because it's going to make both of you all prosper together and uh, individually. So, I, you know, that's just that's just, you know, you have to consider that. Like you have to consider it's so interesting that you touch on the purposefulness of dating and when you meet somebody because today dating is seen as so casual. Yeah. Even among believers, it's seen as if you take that whole wait for your Boaz, even though mm-hmm. I hate that term. <laughs> it's been so worn out. And Definitely I'm not overused. even I'm not even gonna go overused. on my soapbox tangent because I could do it, but I'm not. But I hate that that the way that that whole story has just been manipulated. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> even within the Christian culture, so to speak, that more casual dating has been accepted because society has started to push. Yeah. It's not that serious. Yeah. And so even within the walls of the church or the, yeah. the walls of the kingdom, so to speak, yeah. you have this very cavalier attitude mm-hmm. towards dating, finding a mate and aligning yourself with someone who you're talking about walking out life with. And it's just really interesting how you touch on, it still is pretty serious and not something to be taken lightly. Although you don't necessarily hear that talked about Mm -hmm. in the church or just in our communities anymore, just that basic teaching on yeah. other aspects of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and I think the there is, and we, and we get back to talking about pressure too, there are so many different uh, modalities to how we walk out our Christianity with a mate. We pull out that scripture, you know, how can two walk together except they agree? So I think for so long, that whole thing was like, okay, well, you're a Christian? Oh, you, you, go, you go to church? Oh, you go on Sunday? Oh, me too? Okay, you're cool. right. All right, we together. Right. Right. Exactly so it's like, all right, you know, that is like the surface level. As long as we have that in common, everything else will work itself out. And what people were finding out is that there were deeper issues that, you know, we brought to the table that we didn't discuss pre-marriage. People are uh, not on the same page with finances. They're not on the same page with children, but they didn't find that out until after they got married. And so I guess what we're finding out now, to your point, is like there is a deeper conversation that needs to be had. And the more we over casualize it, then I think we kind of take that stuff out of the seriousness of what it means to have um, a mate, to be married in Christendom, if you will. So I have a question for... I guess I would say both of you. So you hear a lot that people say, or especially people who are married or engaged or something like that. I'm glad that I don't have to date during this day. And the thing that I think about the most is not necessarily the different traps or whatever that you have going on. But for me, the thing I think about is like the whole cell phone thing. So 
with people dating now, like cell phones, we had them around, I want to say around college for us, like cell phones literally just for real came out when I was in college. Now that kids are younger, they are using cell phones more often and they don't have that kind of humanity approach, if you would, Mm -hmm. like the connection, everything is done throughout the phone. Like, Do you feel, do you both feel like dating is probably harder now than it was or because of the unique place that both of you were born where you had cell phones now, but you didn't necessarily have them when you were younger, maybe that lends itself friendly to you when looking for someone or finding someone or not having to deal with that particular aspect. Do you see that now or not really? Let me just keep it real. It's ghetto out there. (laughs) It's so ghetto. It is. And praise the Lord. I'm telling you, this is, I'm telling you, this whole, my whole situation is nothing short than miracle in Virginia because (laughs) (laughs) I, first of all, you know, I've always been one of the homeboys. So I have a lot of male friends and on top of that, I'm just very observant. And just some of the things that I've seen, that I've encountered, things that I know people have done in the name of dating, people I know who have had one night stands, people I know who have just a lot of stuff that just, it's it's just ghetto out there. And on top of that, we are so heavily influenced by social media, all people online, posting memes, taking bad advice, just there's a lack of teaching and just a lack of they say it takes a village. Well, mm-hmm. our generation, even though we didn't have cell phones, you can just, there's people that are that are our age who have come into some like enlightenment that requires, not requires, but has caused them to be very self inward thinking. Mm-hmm. And it shows yeah. because you cannot be selfish in a relationship. And just some of the things I see people doing in the name of, trying to date. One of the biggest lies out there is you need to find someone who's going to love you for who you are. Well, if who you are is trifling, no, they don't. You need to get your life together. But what if they have another trifling person with them? Like, well, two trifling don't make better. Two trifling just means more dysfunction. So that's, but that's what I'm saying. Like that, 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 that idea that you can be whoever you want and you need to find somebody who's just going to love you no, there's an accountability that comes with who you are. And if who you are is not conducive for partnership, then there's some things that you need to work on. It's not to make an excuse and say it's okay because it's not. And it's stuff like that that goes floating around. So people spend their whole life thinking somebody has to meet me on my level when really, no, there's some adjustments you need to make too. But yeah, so mm -mm. There's just a lot that I see that I'm just like, this, this ain't it. And I can see why a lot of more people are single than they are together. I have so many questions, but I feel like that's a different show. So, Bishop. Yeah, so I think to, to piggyback off what Ben was saying, that the whole technology spin is like a double-edged sword because it makes it easier, but it also makes it easier. Right. So. Um, with the benefit of being able to control your own narrative and how people see you, there is also a side that you can manipulate your narrative and pe- you lose that, that you lose that 
connection. Like, uh, you know, I was having a conversation with a lady um, in downtown uh, Herndon with her daughter, like she, her daughter was dating. And she said, um, like the guy didn't even come to the door. He just texted her and told her he was outside. And the mother had like a major problem with that. And so like, those are the things like in that on a, in a very minute way, those are the things that you just kind of lose that whole sense of if you're in a relationship, there is a connectivity to that relationship, that there is a dance between you and the other person, about, you know, finding out about one another that you can only find out between human, human contact. And like you lose that element with the whole technology piece. So it, it like, you know, you have to have like a great discipline great discipline to your life i think if you want to have success in relationship because you know you could you could have like a fraudulent relationship if it's like strictly based on you know we texting every day everything we do is like 75 percent based in technology and us talking on the phone and then we come home i'm tired you're tired and then we just kind of eat and get into bed I think you're referring to MTV's Catfish. There's actually a show for that. Yeah. So, and, and even with like even with that, like Tamron Hall, she was talking about that. I think today, the whole world of like online dating, and they were talking about the benefit of it. And so it was like you know it was it was it was a celebrity couple up there talking about it. So, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I just think you really have to have some type of discipline because people can make themselves who they want themselves to be and you can like get into a trap and you know but i, I, I suppose there was some yeah yeah, yeah you, 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 catfish. <laughs> you know who has time who has time to that catfish no one <laughs> absolutely like, no one it? you should love me for me but you should have put you on the picture. <laughs> you know, I would love you for you. I'm you know what I'm saying? But you're a deceiver. Oh my you got me on the picture. Very problematic sometimes. Now, right. disclaimer, I know some people who have, you know, did the slide and it worked. But in the DMs? Mm, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's, there is so some I, level I, of success to I that, know. but it's just what you do afterwards. You know, it's <laughs> like finding it's like finding a designer bag at the thrift store with a tag on it and the bag that you know that it's real. It's a steal, Rare, right. but the likelihood that's going to happen on a <laughs> right. normal basis is very slim. That's not to say it doesn't happen. I wonder how they're gonna feel about being referred to as a thrift store find. <laughs> no, I'm not like that. But I'm, I'm just saying. saying I'm a it's like I was hanging out it's it's store. about finding it's about finding right. a gem in an yeah. unlikely place. That's how I was it. using that analogy. Not like oh, you bargain basement. Right, right, right. It was we just that it. it's unlikely to find something like that, but it happens. The DMs are like a thrift store. No. The no. DMs we are need just to clear this up. <laughs> no, I was throwing out a fish in there. I was throwing out a Sometimes you find something really great in an unlikely place. And that's yeah, yeah. what I meant when okay. I use that analogy. Not to say that that's like a lower way of doing something. It's just that's one of those things that it happens and it's so great and wonderful, yeah. but it's not something that is always replicated often. Yeah. Totally. Way gotcha. to clean that up. Yeah. First of all, I love the thrift store, <laughs> but I was not trying to knock nobody. No, we got it. We got everybody's it. love story. We have fun. So. so I was sitting here and I had these completely random thoughts about love because this is, you know, like Bishop said, I'm triggered a little. So I remember, again, back in ninth grade with that person and when I had to move. So the Mr. Educational Lauren Hill came out. Yes. Mm-hmm. My CD. It, yes. My yes. CD. And I don't know if you... 
Did you do you know that I CD? Was in college. And oh, okay. The ladies' dorm would blast that. That was like a, that was like a, <laughs> that was like a transformational moment for for a young black college student. Okay. Uh, so the, there's this one, I forget after what song it is, and they ask the kids, what is love? That is my favorite part of that CD. It's like really? one of the interludes. Really? Yes, absolutely. So I don't know what school it is. I think it's a school in New York, and they go in. You have to go back and listen to it. Okay. Wait, I guess. That's Can a, you? some great music. Uh, no, I, I, I'll, I'll check it out. There's yes. some, some great music. On listen to the interlude. Okay. They ask the kids, like, what is love? And I just thought that it was just so cute and so precious. Yeah, it's cute. It was how I don't know, like you said, like the little puppy love, mm-hmm. and they're they're so innocent, mm-hmm. and they have not been touched by the world at that point. Yeah. And yes, yeah. Random thoughts. I'm sorry. Carry on. Beautiful. Well, now that you've mentioned it, now that you've been married and you've had to walk through some things, um, and I guess each of us can kind of talk about how our perspective on love has changed. What does love mean to you now that you're in this phase of your life? I would say love is not a feeling. It is, as Bishop said, it's basically your purpose. So like when I tell my husband that I love him, it's not a feeling. It's, hey, I'm in this for the long haul or, you know, we're we're going to hang it out here. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's good, whether it's bad, we're in this for the long haul. And it's no longer for me like this lovey-dovey feeling. It's not the butterflies. It's not the staying on the phone with the person until both of you fall asleep or <laughs> listen to each other breathe and, you know, waiting for that person to call you and wondering <laughs> when they're calling. Yeah. Oh it's, 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 <laughs> it's really none of that. It's more so like knowing what each other's love languages are and not forgetting that and putting yours aside to make sure that that person is taken care of. I don't want to get down this huge rabbit trail, but like his love language is touch. Mine is acts of service. So it's making sure that he is feeling loved in his Mm -hmm. own way, Mm -hmm. even when I don't feel like it because my love language is acts of service. He may want to hug and I'm like, "Uh, can you take out the trash? Show me Mm -hmm. that you love me by taking the trash out. That's kind of what it is for me. It's not it's not what you see on Hallmark or mm-hmm. even though I love that channel. I love Hallmark. You know how I feel oh about God, Hallmark you know channel. I feel about Hallmark too. Love but it, it's it's none of that. It's you know making sure that that person knows that you are here and you're here to mm-hmm. stay, and that no matter what celebrity relationships are coming and going, no matter what you see in your own family, that you are hanging on to what God has said concerning your marriage. Like that's mm-hmm. what love kind of means to me. So that was me. Okay. I don't know. She asked. Well, you asked the marriage perspective. Yeah. Well, I just was, I was going to, that just triggered a thought. So I was awesome. saying we can all go. And, but I was starting with you since you the one who brought up that. That's great. Yeah, that's what it is. That's great. But I will say that it takes time to, to yeah. get there. Like I wasn't there initially. It takes going through storms. And so this anniversary is our 10th anniversary. So mm-hmm. we're like now a decade in. And We've definitely gone through a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I'm like every other marriage. I'm, mm-hmm. I know every other marriage at some point they're yeah. like, hey, um, I can't do this anymore. I'm mm-hmm. ready to go. Mm-hmm. And we've even reached that point, matter mm-hmm. of fact, several times. Mm-hmm. However, because we've had great people in our lives, we've mm-hmm. had examples of really good marriages. Like our pastors have been married almost 40 years. 
My parents have been married for almost 40 years. So we have different examples of how, even though people have gone through storms, that marriage can work if you decide that you're going to put the work into it. And so I think that has played a major, major part. But again, love is in stages. I don't feel the same way about my husband that I did 10 years ago. And that's due to maturity. It's due to us recognizing who we are individually, but also collectively. Mm -hmm. So I think love looks different. Like I think your love probably looks a lot different from what our love looks like. Not just because of marriage. It's just you learn who you are and who they are. And you consistently, as Bishop said, you consistently dance and you consistently Mm -hmm. adjust. When, When you're dancing, like for example, the Dougie. I can't do the Dougie like a 13-year-old can. You know what I'm saying? So you have to adjust. You have to do a different dance yes. because that dance doesn't work for where mm-hmm. I am right now. Like I, I, I don't know. Even that's from like a married perspective. That's like great. Um, I think for me, Dr. Tony Evans gave a definition of love that will forever be with me. He said, love is to compassionately and righteously seek the well-being of the other person. And like you, you always have that in mind, no matter what you're going through, you make a commitment that you're going to compassionately and righteously. And those two words have a lot wrapped up in them. Compassionately and righteously seek the well-being always of the other person. And you're never. And of course, you have First Corinthians 13, like love is patient. It's, there's like a checklist to this to make sure that you are acting out love in the best possible way that you can like when you say you love a person it's not just word like there is a checklist to this am i being patient am i being kind am i not being selfish am i being long-suffering am i not being envious there's like a checklist to this so that's you kind of you kind of threw me for a doozy for that like you know there's stages to love yeah you grow in love that's a sea lot moment (laughs) i think for me it's been challenging but humbling at the same time and that's simply because coming from a place where I was 30 plus years single single um, that affords you to be very self-gratifying and when you put yourself in a relationship and you you know because I, I will constantly be calling you and be like um is this mentality something that I you know what do I need to do with this but n- just really being challenged to operate from convictions versus how I feel mm-hmm. um, has been the probably the, the greatest challenge that I've had. Because like you said, it's not about the warm and fuzzies. It's not about all of that. But it really is about where are you in life? And if you say that, okay, the Lord gave you this person and y'all are trying to learn how to walk this thing out together, then that means you got to learn how to contend with another person. And for me, that was very difficult. One, because I didn't have that example. And two, my mentality and just based on kind of what I was living in, what I call survival mode, it wasn't conducive for a partnership. So then I had to choose whether I was going to go off of how I felt or if I was going to go off of the convictions of what I knew the Lord was requiring of me with this person. And so that has been very humbling because like Shonda said, it's not necessarily about you Mm -hmm. and 
coming from a place where I want to be selfish. Mm-hmm. So now I'm kind of like fighting the selfishness yeah. Yeah. of what I want versus what I know the Lord is asking me to do, especially yeah. in how I react in certain things and how I operate. And even when I kind of go my own way about some things, when I go back to pray about it, it's like I'm not being validated in my decisions. And yeah. I'm like, well, God, what's up with this? <laughs> right. You know, so having to really have that part of me, that very stubborn, prideful part of myself, that mm-hmm. self-sufficient, that is self-thinking, mm-hmm. kind of being broken down for the sake of building me up with a person mm-hmm. has been difficult, but good at the same time, because I can see the, I'm starting to see the benefits of yeah. it as opposed to before where I would just get my pair of Nikes and run. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like she said, it's been a process, yeah. but it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. And I think from from a single perspective, loving God and absolutely making sure that you are loving yourself. You have to you have to learn how to love your yes. talking about process. Necessary. Yeah. Necessary. You have to learn your relationship with God will teach you how to love yourself. He is the root and foundation of the spring of love that comes out of my life. And he teaches me through his word how to love myself so that when I get to that place where I'm relationally, I'm not going to say all the dots will be connected, but there will be some level of maturity, some level of understanding about myself and that I love myself. And I'm bringing a loved, a self-loved person to another person, making sure I'm the absolute best that I can be. And I think that's where the equally yoke part comes in because you've done all this work to make sure that you are intact and that you are where you're supposed to be. That's again, where equally yoked and purpose comes in because you don't want someone to come in now who's not at the place that you are. And it's like, that's a whole nother thing. That's like fighting an uphill battle basically. And you know what, you know what loving yourself looks like. So if you, if somebody comes into your space and you're like, yeah, you you, you don't really love yourself. Like the thing, the decisions that you're making, the the behavior it's like reflecting that you don't really love yourself. When you love yourself, you can recognize somebody else that loves themselves or doesn't love themselves. That was really good. I'm just going to throw a caveat <laughs> in here only because I was a person who was not 100%. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say just leave yourself unattended. I'm yeah. not saying that. But yeah. what I will say is even if you are not necessarily 100% in the place you need to be, yeah. If your heart is right and if you are, you become intentional about getting yourself in that better place, then where you made a mistake and not attending to yourself as you should, that God will kind of make up for the shortage in that. And then, and that's how another way you can tell whether or not the person that you are trying to contend with is for you. Because I will say, even though I did quote unquote, some of the work emotionally, I was not in the place that I should have been when I tried to start dating. It was, and looking back, even on the span of time, if I was a little wiser, I would have did it differently because I just was not in a mental capacity, emotional capacity. And people cannot fill voids. It, it they expose them mm-hmm. and l- reflecting where I am now as opposed to then yeah. um, I wouldn't have made those same decisions yeah. but because my heart was right and mm-hmm. because the Lord is 
And I knew that what the Lord had said was true. He caused us to navigate through those places where it it just wasn't always 100%. So I don't want to discourage people who may not have it all together, but that's to say, you don't have to use me as an example. Yeah. Be mindful of where you are yeah. and what's going on. So then that way it, you don't have to go through some of those challenges. So last thoughts on love, anything at all. Love is fuzzy socks and ginger ale. <laughs> I, I just definitely think that in this carbon copy type of society where we kind of take our advice from a same place a lot of times that they really everyone really has their own story and it's so important to when you're walking out your life period have a real understanding of what God is calling you to do because my story is not your story and I can give you some advice or say this is what worked for me or what didn't but if you don't have that assurance of who you are and what God is asking you to do, then you will be out here running after every little thing, chasing some story and trying to live out yeah. something that's not even for you. So more so than anything else, you have to understand what God is asking you to do in your life. It may be unconventional. It might not be popular. And to somebody else, it might seem crazy, but that's not for somebody else to understand. It's for you to understand and move and walk in it. So I would say out of everything, when you're discussing love, love yourself, love God, listen to his voice. And some people say it's not that serious, but it is. A person in a moment can change the entire course of your life. And I wouldn't be out here in this day and age just risking it the chance. So mine will likely not be as deep as yours was, Mm -hmm. but I am just really looking forward to seeing how love plays out in my children. So I see how um, each of them are, you know, different ages. And right now, my youngest, he is in the process of like filling out his little Valentines for his classmates and make sure, making sure that he has like the right one for the right person and just kind of all those cutesy things that we kind of remember. And mm-hmm. then I see where my oldest is, my, my middle, she's all about herself right now, <laughs> but the oldest one. He supposedly has a girlfriend and I'm interested to see how this is going to play out because he has no money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's that aspect. And just to see how they (laughs) kind of grow up in this whole love thing. And I'm hoping that the experiences that they have seen um, with me and, you know, just in their family life does not completely alter their thoughts on love and what they think about love. Like I'm Praying that I've done a great job or at least a good job of showing them what love is and in the places where I have fallen short, you know, that God kind of picks that up and um, places them where they need to be. But in general, I'm praying that that they really see love in a, in a different light than I do right now. And I'm very interested to see what I think about love in 10 more years. I mean, it very well may be very different than what it is today. Well, this so. podcast will be our own little time capsule. We can pull, pull it back out. Right, <laughs> no. right, right. God is love. God is love. He is the explanation of all things love. And I think when you fall in love with God and he teaches you how to love and what that means, what love really means, because there are a lot of definitions of love, but it boils down to God's definition of love. If you love God, he'll teach you how to love and what love means. 
Well, Bishop, you were the perfect guest tonight. Yes. Thank you so well, much. Well, this is my audition episode. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's Trinity. This should not be a two. This is my audition tonight. <laughs> Audience, vote online if I should join the podcast. Right. Text one, two, three, seven, six. Right. <laughs> just kidding. It was just a pleasure to be here with you all. Just amazing. And I congratulate you all again. Much success. Well, thank you. Well, thank happy you. Black History Month. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day to you all. And if no one has told you that they love you today, do know that we do love you and that God loves you too. God is with us and we're walking in manifested transformation. Have a good night, everyone. Good night.